Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. In the Bible, there is the book of James, and he wrote, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. And that includes the prayers of many faithful parents who are asking God to uh, intercede to help their children. That's our topic today on Focus on the Family as we continue with our Best of 2021 series of broadcasts. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Uh, John, a lot of moms and dads feel ill-equipped or inadequate in praying for their kids, but man, I want to encourage you to do that. Gene and I did that just this morning for Trent and Troy. We mm. were praying for a lot of different things for them, for their walk, for their futures, for their spouses uh, whom they don't know yet. Uh, when we aired this program earlier this year, one woman told us it was so encouraging because she had struggled to know where to start in praying for her kids. And don't feel guilty about that. That's common. She said, I've often believed the enemy's lies that have told me I am powerless to affect my own children. Hmm. Well, we want you to know that God is right there through your doubts and concerns for your children. And we want to encourage you in those prayers with some great insights today. Indeed. And Jody Burnt is a prayer warrior. Uh, she's an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. She's written a number of books about the topic of prayer. And Recently, she updated a very popular title. It's called Praying the Scriptures for Your Children. Discover how to pray God's purpose for their lives. And we have copies of that here at the ministry. Just give us a call, 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. All right, let's go ahead and listen to the conversation with Jody Burnt on this Best of 2021 episode of Focus on the Family. Jody, welcome to Focus on the Family. Welcome back, really. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, John. Just a big treat to be back. It's good to have you. Uh, you are passionate about prayer. You've written several books about it over the past couple of decades. Um, you, I think I defined you well as a prayer warrior. Let me go right to it. How does your husband, Robbie, feel about this? <laughs> I mean, really, you probably have taught him like Jean. I think that is a very kind label that I'm not sure I deserve. If you mean, do I pray? Uh, do I have to pray a lot? Yes, I'm very aware of my own failings and inadequacies. And I think any parent will tell you we want God's best for our kids. And so I might say almost any parent has the makings of a prayer warrior just because we want to bring our kids before the Lord. But you asked me about Robbie. What did you ask me? Oh, no. <laughs> Sometimes men in, in marriage, we could be intimidated by prayer warrior wives. Like maybe I'm not doing enough, you know, as the man yeah, of the home. You know, that's a, that's a, a oh, that's a deep question to kind of start off yeah. with because it really is. I think a lot of times men say, okay, well, this is mom's job. You know, she's the more sensitive one, the more in touch emotionally, the spiritual stuff is on her. And while God may have wired us that way, um, I would just encourage any man who's listening to take up that mantle. Jump um, in. And jump on in. Yeah. And don't be intimidated. But I'll tell you, one of the reasons that we updated this book was because I heard from parents, both moms and dads, who would tell me that, you know, I didn't grow up in a home where people prayed, you know, at least not outside of church. It seemed like something you leave to the clergy, the varsity Christians. Uh, it feels <laughs> a little awkward, a little unfamiliar. But folks would say... I don't want it to be that way for my kids. You know, I want to take the mystery out of prayer. I want them to feel free and available to approach God. What do I do? You know, how do I teach them? So whether it's a husband saying, hey, honey, I want to catch up to you, or whether it's a mom looking at her child and thinking, I don't want it to feel as awkward or unfamiliar as it did for me growing up. 
um, we updated the book and included a lot of material, a lot of bonus material in the back that really takes um, all the concepts and, and brings them down to a kid's level. Like you can pray verses, Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily. Such an easy one that a little child can learn and, and just pray, Lord, help me encourage people daily. Yeah, and yeah. that is good. Uh, let me ask you, though, you weren't always in this place where prayer was a good, strong discipline for you. Right. Speak back to the struggles that you had and, and why this became kind of a light bulb opportunity to say, I need to learn how to pray better. Because there's many, many people listening that don't have a robust prayer life. Yeah. Um, what are those struggles that people have that you had? Well, I think we all are, are painfully aware, right, of our shortcomings. Yeah, um, we don't like to tell other people yeah, about it. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, we all have this sort of uh, innate understanding that we need help from outside ourselves. And I did grow up in a home where people prayed. But I will tell you that when our children were young and I was praying for them, my prayers were kind of dull. Uh, I, I hate to say that. I mean, I'm sure God wasn't saying that I was boring him, but maybe I was because it was a lot of... Oh, bless them, help them on their spelling tests, help them feel better when they're sick. All legit prayers, good prayers, yeah. you know. But I just felt like I wanted something that felt fresher and more empowered. And when I began looking at the Bible as sort of a launching pad for my prayers, when I would see verses in there and think, that's what I want for my kids. Let me wrap my prayers in that language, you know. And and I tell the story a lot of times that our our children used to get in the car and they would just put their feet in each other's face and they'd call, I want to sit in the front seat. I want to sit in the back. Yeah, this is the best seat. And it got to where, in fact, our in-laws came to babysit one time. Ravi and I were, I was going to go with him on a business trip. and My in-laws came and the kids were getting in the car and they broke out in this normal daily morning fight of who got to sit where and whose feet were in whose face. And Pop-Pop says, you know, if grandma and I were staying uh, longer than a week, we would solve this. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be talking like this every morning when we say get in the car. And our daughter, I forget how old she was at the time, elementary school, she said, well, Pop-Pop, it's a good thing you aren't staying any longer. And you know, I mean, that's not what you want for your in-law to now hear. Now I think I know the answer I to know. why you started praying. Thank you. Thank you. Every parent out there, you know, it's a struggle. But I remember around that time going through my Bible, and I saw Ephesians 4, verse 29, and it says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, mm. but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it would benefit those who listen. And I'll tell you, I read that verse and I thought, number one, God's been spying on my family, you know, <laughs> and number two, that's exactly what I want. So instead of praying, God, help my kids talk nice, I could pray, Lord, you know, let no unwholesome talk come out of that. Let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. I yeah. mean, I wasn't much better as a mom and a driver. Don't make me pull over, you know, that whole line. Um, but let it be uh, beneficial that it would build others up. What a great prayer. So, that is, it's so true. Yeah. Now, in those early days, you also had a, a, what looks like a really good experience with a group called Moms in Prayer Absolutely. that taught you some things. Uh, what did they do? Are they still around? One, and, yeah, there's some and, moms and, and what did you glean org. from it? I'll tell you, um, it, I love Moms in Prayer. They meet once a week uh, for an hour to pray, and their groups are based around school communities. So you don't have to know the other women in your group. You just have to be at the same school, and, and there's your prayer group. They meet for an hour, and the thing that I love about their strategy is that they really do ground their prayers in Scripture. 
So one of my favorite stories in the book um, is about our prayer group, our moms in prayer group. And we had prayed just kind of as a routine prayer that week out of Ephesians 5, um, verses 15 and 16, that our kids would be wise in the way they act toward outsiders, that they would make the most mm. of every opportunity. We didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know how God would answer. But that very week, one of the children in the group, their teacher gave them an assignment to write a persuasive essay. And, you know, most of the kids in the class are writing a persuasive little second grade essay about why my mom should get me a new bike or something. But this one child wrote a letter to a classmate saying, here's why you should believe in Jesus. Here's why you need to give your life second to Christ. Second grader. Yeah, second grader. Wow. And this was a kid that nobody was friends with. He was a real troublemaker. He, he got left out on the playground, all that. And to have this child write this, and then he asked the teacher, uh, the child couldn't read the letter very well. He was um, struggling in school. And the teacher said, yeah, you know, you can read it to your friend. And so out on the playground that day, he reads this persuasive letter with 10 reasons. And again, wow. you can read, you know, number one, I will be waiting for you in heaven. Number two, oh, you wow. can have anything you want in heaven. Number three, God loves you. You know, these different reasons this little second grader laid out. And he led this child into the kingdom of heaven. And that was, I believe, God's answer to our prayer yeah. that our children could make the most of every opportunity. Well, I wonder where that young man is today. Well, really I, don't, I don't know where the new believer is, but I do know the young man has grown up and he's gone off and served in the Naval Academy and he's just still loving the Lord. And uh, oh, That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jody, let me ask you, though, that, that intimidation factor. Mm, um, yeah. Speak to that hurdle. Not everybody has that as the obstacle, but, you know, just the intimidation, you know, does God really hear me? Yeah. Should yeah. I really do it? Am I saying it correctly? Right. We all I think mean, we need to sound good. Yeah. We feel like we have to convince God. And like I said earlier, maybe we didn't grow up in a home where it was done or modeled for us. But, you know, at the end of the day, God commands us to pray, right? And he does it because he wants relationship with us. Right. He wants us, in the same way, like, I look at things like being in a marriage, for example. Imagine you're married to somebody, and you say, I love you, but you never talk about your day. You never tell your spouse what you need. You never thank them for what they might provide. Or a parent-child relationship. You know, say a child just, a parent can just give you your food, buy your school books, get your clothes. But if the child has never asked for anything or ever thanked you for anything, there's not that connection in that relationship. So I think God wants us to pray because he's saying, not only is that the way I invented to dispense blessing in your life, but it's also the way I invented for our lives to connect. Sure. So that you can acknowledge me as the source of all these blessings um, and that we can have that that relationship. Yeah. You're dependent on me, and that's great because I want to provide for you. You know, I would imagine, because it's true in Gene and I's life, um, we pray for our kids' salvation, obviously. Sure. We did that when they were younger, that they would come to embrace the faith. That's probably the most common mm. prayer for parents. Yeah. What are some of the other things that parents, that you've learned coaching yeah. parents? That's a good question. And in fact, before I wrote the book, um, I knew what I was praying. Again, that my kids would be nice to each other. Um, <laughs> but I wondered what other parents were praying. And I did these surveys. And this was before Facebook, before before SurveyMonkey, before really even email. So I did them the old-fashioned way where I wrote them on pieces of paper, and they had one question, and it was, if you could ask God to do anything for your family, what would it be? Mm. And so I would carry them around in my purse and give them to you if I saw you in the carpool line or at the grocery store. We tucked them into our Christmas cards that year. And I got more than 100 of these things back. 
And you can imagine to your question what parents wanted. You know, parents wanted that faith. They wanted right. kids who loved God and his word. But they also wanted character traits, wisdom, compassion, kindness. Yeah. They wanted kids to be kept safe. We, that's a big one for parents. I want my child to be protected and be safe. And even there were people, um, relationships, friendships, sibling relationships, relationships with teachers, coaches. And there were a lot of parents who were taking kind of a long view and saying, you know, I actually am praying for my three-year-old's marriage partner yeah, or for their sure. management of money or time. You know, so all these things, I kind of took the top 20 needs or requests that I saw come in and shaped them into um, the table of contents. And then I started digging around in the Bible and be like, okay, does God say anything about this? Does he say anything? And you know, you know it as well as I do. And I know your listeners know it, that there's not a need we're going to face, a concern we'll have that... God hasn't already provided for and addressed in Scripture. Yeah, it's so true. And I think, you know, when you you mentioned wisdom, that one resonated mm, with mm-hmm. me because I think that's probably outside of, you know, knowing the Lord, walking right. with the Lord, that's probably right. the next uh, most often prayer that I've offered sure. for my boys that they would have wisdom. Copying I from think, Solomon, right? Yeah, I everything mean, fa- falls from that, <laughs> everything right? Everything follows from that. Yeah, it equips us to receive all God's other good gifts. It's a good one. You have a cute story about your daughter, Virginia, waving leaves while telling a Bible story. What happened? Yeah, well, uh, you know, they weren't, it was around the Easter time, and we, we knew the Hosanna story. Um, and they weren't palm branch leaves. I think they were akuba leaves or something in our garden. But she picked them up, and they were out there, she, Virginia and our younger son, Robbie. And we were all just messing around in the yard. And I overheard her telling the biblical narrative of Jesus riding on the donkey and coming in. And she went through the whole thing, even to the point she said, Robbie, you know, and they put nails in his hands, nails. And she had so much passion just as about a four-year-old telling this story. And she finished and she handed Robbie the leaves and she said, now you tell the story, Robbie. And I thought to myself, that's, that's what we want. We want our kids to know God's word, to know God's stories, to know God's history. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Parenting is tough, and moms like Julie need encouragement when they feel overwhelmed. And the first thing I did was turn on the Focus on the Family podcast about parenting. That is my go-to because there's always a topic that is relating to what I'm going through at the moment. I'm Jim Daly. This season, help us give families hope. And when you give today, your donation will be doubled. Donate at FocusOnTheFamily.com family. Christmas memories of baking and sharing stories with your family. That's depicted in the Jaclay from Focus on the Family titled Family Traditions. This story and paint by artist Morgan Weisling, a portrait of a lively family kitchen scene, will find a special place in your home and heart. Find out how to get a signed version of this special edition print at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Family Traditions. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Family Traditions. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Jody, uh, this next question really comes out of uh, the heart from being a believer. I came to know the Lord at 15 years old, and my football buddy on the high school football team's parents gave me my first soft cover Bible. Wow, that's and they wrote in there John 10.10. 10. And mm, I always joke because so there's a, a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of John in the Bible. And you yep. know, I didn't I wasn't yep. raised in a Christian 
home. So I'm looking through First John, Second John, Third John. Yeah. <laughs> finally got to John ten ten, but uh, the the scripture is straightforward. And and the reason I'm mentioning this is it's to me one of the most applicable scriptures mm-hmm. in the world we live in today. And it says the thief Satan. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So when you're looking at that context for our children, um, how do we as parents resist the devil as a good model? Mm. And then how do we pray something positive for our children that they too may have that kind of wisdom? Yeah, I love that verse, John 10, 10. Um, You know, different translations, some say, I've come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Yeah, I like Some that. say an abundant life. Um, it's a good one for our family. Our daughter, Virginia, uh, lives big, and she loves that <laughs> verse. Um, one time she was traveling abroad, and my husband had given her, you know, read her the riot act about being safe and, and what to do and what not to do, and she was with a bunch of friends. And we got a picture she sent us of herself strapped to a guy whose name was Ollie. We didn't know any more than that, jumping out of an airplane, <laughs> and on her palm, um, she'd written John 10, 10. Yeah, and right. she, wrote, she wrote, sorry, dad. Yeah. She's just like, I'm living big. But I, I love that one. And I love, I feel like for our kids, they need to know that Jesus is fun, that when they put their trust in him, that they are going to have a rich and satisfying life, not saying a life without problems. He obviously never promises us that. In fact, those of us who followed him a long time, sometimes know you hit more hard knocks in following him than it feels like. Um, But I'm all about making um, scripture, making a faith uh, doable and fun for our kids. Uh, At the back of the book, I share um, a lot of strategies for that. One of my favorites is we call it, and and you growing up in a home where you didn't know the Lord would love this, we call it the happy hope game. And it's just after dinner, and it's really a spin on sharing a praise report or a prayer request but you know for kids they hear what's your praise report or what's your prayer request you know that can be a little intimidating and a little like oh great there goes mom on her church platform again so we play the happy hope game and it's just simply um hey tell me one thing that happened this week you're happy about and whether the kids know it or not as the parent i can take those things back to my prayer journal later and remember to pray for them and i love um there's an author pete Gregg. he wrote a book called how to pray and he made the point that God sometimes listens to our casual conversations and receives them as prayers. Mm. And uh, he takes that out of Malachi 3.16, where Scripture says that those who feared the Lord talked among themselves, and God listened and heard. And I love the idea that God is listening to our dinner table conversations. Yeah. So, I, I, I also want to ask, Jody, though, the uh, uh, that parent who's listening right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah who is struggling with their teenager that's mm-hmm. moving in a really bad direction. Yeah. I mean, it may be, you know, drugs are in the right. home or something right. like that. And that, to me, is evidence of John 10.10 10 as well, the steal, kill, yes. and destroy part. Right. This is the destructive path a child can choose. And it, it's going to occur sometime in that, that those teen years. Sure. How do they pray yeah. with any confidence? Yeah. Because right now in the moment, it looks hopeless. It does look hopeless. And I I was that parent. Um, we had four kids, and I think probably anybody who has more than one kid, even if you have one kid, you know, they make... These things are they, always possible. It's, it happens, you know. It doesn't... Just because you have a Christian home doesn't mean that you're going to have these guaranteed straight, narrow kids. And I would say to that parent, first of all, you're not alone. God knows exactly how you feel. He's watched us make the dumbest decisions, mm. walk the wildest paths. Um, and he loves your child more than you do. You might think they're out of your reach, 
either uh, physically because they're not home or even just emotionally. They're sitting across the table, but they don't want to listen to you, you know, but they're never out of God's reach. And so I would just encourage that parent to just keep lifting their child before the Lord, bringing his name, her name, their needs, um, and trusting that your Heavenly Father, who loves them more than you do and has more power than you do, you know, our prayers they lay down the tracks for God's power to come through. We don't do the fixing, the providing. We wish we could. But I love my favorite parenting prayer when I had teenagers was out of Philippians 2.13. That's where Paul says, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And as a mom, I so felt like it was on me. Like I need to work in my kids so that they would will and act, that they would desire and do good things. But, you know, we can't, right? You know, none of us can but God can. And so I would just say, God, work in Virginia's heart to will and to act, to line up with your good purposes. Let me ask you in that context as a mom, and I think moms, this is close to their heart. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure some dads too, but I'm just saying the moms I've talked to, my own observation of Jean, the same thing. And, you know, so often that fear and control can take a hold of you. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to say, Lord, okay, I'm going to give my child over to you right now. And that then is followed up by certain behavior changes, right? You, you reduce your controlling nature. Right. You trust God in certain ways. You become more faithful yeah. uh, toward your parenting of that child. And that is a process, isn't it? Speak to that mom who is struggling in that battle between fear and control and trusting God for the outcome. Yeah, that that's such a good question. And one that I wish I could say I had learned once and for all. Wouldn't it be great if we could hmm. say, God, I trust you. And then, you know, we've screwed that courage to the sticking place and it's never left. But well, for me, it's probably each all, new, all different degrees different too, degrees, right? New, new degrees, new problems crop up. God's faithful one in one situation and then another child or another event happens and you got to take it right back to the drawing board. But I'll tell you, God really um, did a gentle but hard work in me as I said to him, Lord, when th- our things were not going like I thought they would in my kids' lives for a season. Um, They were making some bad choices and there were just some bad things happening that maybe weren't a result of a choice. But, and I remember saying, Lord, I trusted you. You know, you're a good God. I know you love my kids. What's going on? And he looked at me and he just said, you know, Jody, you you didn't trust me. You trusted in an outcome. Mm. You trusted in your agenda, how you think, thought things should work and in your timing. And he said, yeah, this is painful, but trust me because I see the big picture and I'm shepherding and leading and as Romans 8, 28 reminds us, working in all things for the good of those who love me. And yeah. so, and Jody, in that regard, right at the end here, yeah. and I think uh, a good takeaway for the parents listening right now would be um, suffering plays a role in God's mm-hmm. economy. It, it accomplishes something deep in people. Yeah. And it's not that we run from it. We shouldn't run from right. it. Um, but how to equip our children to abide in it. Yeah. And so, how, yeah, wow, that's a big one. But. It is such a big one. And I think, um, you know, we can trick ourselves into thinking God doesn't want us to suffer. But like I was just reading this morning in Philippians 1, and Paul says to all the believers, he's like, you've been counted worthy to share in his glory and in his suffering. And I'm like, what do you mean I, I should be thankful that I get to count, you know, be happy to be in his suffering? But but he does use it to refine us, to shape mm-hmm. us. 
Um, and it's no fun. And it's for a parent, I think it's really hard to watch your child suffer. There's yeah. nothing harder. Well, um, but we just can be confident that God will use all of that, the good yeah. and the bad, to work as good purposes. And I think in doing that, when you can get to that place, mm-hmm. then the scripture that says, my burden is light, my yoke is easy, yeah. that's evidence of that when you can really abide in that difficult circumstance, trusting God, praying for your child, yeah. believing in the future of that child, right. even if they're in the valley in that moment. Yeah. And it's not easy. I don't, you know, a listener right. might listen and go, oh, she says, just trust me. And I would encourage someone too, if they're in that valley, in that dark place, to reach out to a friend. I really believe in the power of uh, multiplied prayer. You know, yeah. Jesus says, where two or more come together, I'm in the midst. And there were times in our kids growing up years when, there, I tell the story in the book, when our son was in kindergarten and he struggled so much with self-control that I just wanted to buy him a pack of cigarettes and put him out on the street corner because I'm like, he's going to wind up there anyway, so why bother trying to parent him or raise him to be godly because I give up. And I had some girlfriends who came alongside me, people in my mom's in prayer group and others, who said, you know, you don't have the faith right now to believe for this. You can't even see the needle moving but we'll pray for you. We'll lift up your son. We'll carry that burden wow. for you and with you. And I'll tell you, they did that for me for over a year, and and God moved. He moved. And I will say, if you met my son now, he's 25, you would never know that he'd struggled with self-control, self-discipline, with anger issues, right, with all of that. Changed, yeah. And it wasn't this instant answer. You know, he, he was a high school athlete, a college athlete. And I think sometimes that's the other thing, you know, the the passion that's in there that can come out as anger can also be a passion that in the hands of God can allow for victory on a sports field. You know, it's, it's, oh, it's a doubt. the two different sides of the coin. So I would just say, hang in there, but get yourself some friends who'll carry that with you. Well, that's a beautiful approach and we need to be that friend. Yes. If we're not the one in the valley with yeah. our kids, yeah. we need to be the one that's, uh, you yeah, know, we helping. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Well, we have just skimmed the surface of our conversation with Jody Burnt today on this Best of 2021, Focus on the Family. And we'll be back next time with more help in praying for your children, uh, as well as overcoming all the technology and media that's invaded our homes and building a legacy of prayer. John, this has been terrific. And uh, we've been reminded of how easy it is to get distracted from praying in our busy lives. And we'll get into more of that tomorrow. I want to encourage you to contact us here at Focus on the Family if you need counseling help as a parent. Uh, We'll get your information and call you back. And also, we'll send you a copy of Jody's great book, praying the scriptures for your children. And if you can help us uh, do ministry together uh, for a gift of any amount, we'll send you the book as our way of saying thank you for being a partner of Focus on the Family and on behalf of all those families that you'll touch through the ministry here at Focus. When you donate, you give families hope. And I'll add that right now, when you support us, your gift will be doubled because friends of the ministry care enough to invest in the lives of others. And I just want to say thank you for partnering with us in that way. And we're a phone call away. Uh, Our number again, 800, the letter A in the word family. Or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, uh, inviting you back as we continue the conversation with Jody and once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. And I would say to that parent, first of all, you're not alone. God knows exactly how you feel. He's watched us make the dumbest decisions, Mm. walk the wildest paths, and he loves your child more than you do. Well, that's Jody Burnt, and she's a mom who loves praying for her four children and loves connecting those prayers with the Word of God. And as she joins us for a second day, she has more inspiring thoughts to help you and me uh, make prayer for our kids a natural, everyday thing. And I do hope you'll stay tuned to find out more for today's episode of Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, for a lot of moms and dads, uh, prayer might feel awkward or unfamiliar to them. Um, Maybe some didn't grow up in homes where they prayed much or at all. Uh, But whatever is your situation, uh, we want prayer to be part of your family life. That's one of the goals here at Focus, because we believe in prayer and the power of prayer. And uh, Jody Burnt will offer some great encouragement, like she did last time. And if you didn't hear that broadcast, get the download, get the the app on your smartphone, whatever we can do to uh, get that into your hands is our goal. Uh, She has four adult children, as John mentioned. She's had a lot of practice praying for them. I felt her vulnerability last time was Mm -hmm. so inspiring. You know, we always project perfection. But she talked uh, about some of the struggles her kids had and how she prayed through those things. Um, She first wrote about praying for children about 20 years ago, and now she's updated this great resource, Praying the Scriptures for Your Children, and John will give more details how to get that. Yeah, give us a call. Uh, The number is 800-A-FAMILY, 800-232-6459. Or stop by FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. Jody, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you so much. So fun to keep talking. (laughs) So good to see you. Um, When we think about praying for our children, one of the big concerns for parents, and I've experienced this, is kind of the explosion of technology. One, it keeps us so busy and distracted. And then, of course, it's simply the influence of all of it. Uh, Your children, they're grown now, but uh, how much did tech affect your parenting and how did you pray for your kids to either manage it well or what did you do? Yeah, Yeah, well, you've just hit on one of the reasons we wanted to update this book because when I wrote the book 20 years ago, kids and technology basically came down to something that was new called MySpace. You know, there was no Facebook, no Instagram, no texting, no Snapchats, none of all these things. It's amazing to think there once was a time. There once (laughs) upon a time, I know. Um, But, you know, uh, Andy Crouch wrote that great book, The TechWise Family, and in it he says uh, that technology is the number one reason why parents think that raising kids today is more complicated than it was in the past. And I I think it is true. Mm -hmm. Um, Partly for what you said, all the distractions, you know, the easy everywhere access of anything. Of course, the fear we have of our kids being exposed to unwanted content, whether it's pornography or anything else, bullying. Um, There's a lot of fear that comes with technology. And yet, it's there. It's going to be part of our family's life. It's going to be part of our kids' lives. 
So I think we need to know how to manage it and how we need to pray about it. And so, yeah, that was one of the reasons when I was looking back over the 20-year-old book and I thought, huh, MySpace, we need to, we need to <laughs> update that. So we did. Well, as you're talking with parents in the, the counseling and consulting mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. do, I mean, what are you hearing? Counseling and consulting. You make me sound really good. Oh, yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> but, you know, when you're talking with them about where they're at, those that right. do have right. teenagers today, yep. you know, my kids, are yeah. they're right at the tail end, a yeah. 20 and 18-year-old. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it is something you have to think about. Probably right. in times past, you didn't have to pay attention to that. Sure. But it puts pressure on us as parents now to be praying for our mm-hmm. kids, to manage these things sure. wisely. Yeah. And we got to teach them how to do that. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, there are the smart things you do, putting filters on your home computers sure. and managing screen time and all that. But I think parents can fall into a couple different camps. Sometimes we can be so frightened of it that, you know, we kind of hit lockdown mode and a little bit like keep your helmet on and hope your kids get through without permanent damage. Or we can say, you know, it's just out there and uh, our kids are going to be exposed. So it is what it is. I think the best parents uh, recognize that, that the technology is out there. It's part of our kids' world. So let's manage it wisely and let's pray about it wisely. And one of my favorite prayers. I have a couple of them, actually. Job 1.10, Satan and God are talking, and, and they talk about a hedge of protection around Job. And I pray a hedge of protection around my kids that God would just put that there so that some of the evils of technology don't penetrate. Mm. So that's sort of the defensive prayer, that Job 1.10. But then I also really think it's important for parents to pray offensively. And I love um, Philippians 4.8, which says, and I'm not going to quote it correctly, but it talks about what we need to think about. Think about whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. I pray that my kids would be drawn to that stuff. Huh, now, good. when when I was young, growing up, my dad had a little, um, it's from the Psalms, uh, it said, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had taped that on top of the television set. And that was, you know, in my growing up days, that was technology, what you're watching on TV. And I would pray that same thing. You know, Lord, don't let them look at anything vile. Some translations say worthless. Don't put it before their yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that offensive uh, yeah. posture. How, how important is it for your kids to realize that they are going to have choices out there? Yeah, yeah. And that goes back to the wisdom conversation we had uh, on the earlier show, just that we want our kids to have that discernment and that wisdom because it is going to be out there and we're not always going to be with them to say, hey, don't look at that, don't do that. And even if we have filters on our home devices, they're going to go to a friend's house where uh, things are accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, If our kids have phones, you know, I, I have one friend whose son, and this is just precious, that they, this was a teenage boy and the parents were very concerned about what he was going to be exposed to and and how much limits you know they should place and that kind of thing and uh he asked them to take a search engine off of his phone after a little while he realized that it was not leading him anywhere good and so he said to his parents you know let's get rid of that app and to these parents who'd been as we all can be kind of in the pit of fear of what if and yeah. it's out there to have a child make that wise choice right. was just so much bigger than the technology issue because it spoke to the wisdom issue. And I think we want to, to your point, um, pray for our kids to have that wisdom. Jody, uh, you cover in the book Praying for Your Child's Future marriage. Yes. Now, of course, uh, some people say, ah, with focus, it's always about marriage. Well, we are a marriage and parenting ministry. Yes, yes. And we realize not everyone will get married, and that's good. And Paul talks about that. Yeah, and and I think we also can pray for our kids to thrive 
in a single situation. Yeah, sure. You know, we want them to be where, wherever God has them Correct. to be, not defined by am I married, am I not married, right. am so I we're dating, not, not dating. We're right. not trying right. to make an idol out of sure, it is the sure. point. But yeah. for most people, they will get married. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of interesting because Gene and I have been doing this, you know, for years, praying for the boys. But even thinking about, in our case, those two women that are out yes. there, two girls that have been yeah. growing up, where are they? Where are they? Um, are they in Colorado? Or are they somewhere else in the world? I mean, it really is a mind boggler when you start praying for your kids' future spouses. And, you know, you're going, wow, okay, who is she? What is she doing? And then I will tell you, when they come along, there is no greater joy than to be able to say, it's you. Hmm. Well, talk about that. You know? your, a, talk yeah. about your prayer and your prayer with Robbie, how that impacted your marriage, and then how the Lord answered your prayers for your kids. When Robbie and I got married, well, Robbie and I, um, I we met in college, and um, I thought he was super cute, but I didn't think that he was... <laughs> Uh, my type. I was um, kind of <laughs> grungy, flash dance. I'd grown up at the beach, and um, he was preppy and squared away and real put together. And and I also had grown up really in the Jesus movement. I was what he would have probably called the G- a Jesus freak, almost. You know, a I, Jesus hippie. I was. I was. <laughs> and and he had been in an Episcopalian church and was very buttoned down in his appearance and in his faith. And so I just set him up with my sorority sister because I thought they would be perfect. And that match didn't really take. He and I, um, he and I got to be better and better friends, and then fell in love. And he asked me to marry him, and we'd never really talked about getting married. It was right after graduation, um, and he he had asked my parents, gotten my dad's consent, but it came as a bit of a surprise to me. But I said yes, you know, and it seemed like a good idea, and it turned out to be a great idea. You know, no, never a second thought. As, I'm asking myself, where's yeah, this going? As soon as the yes was out of my mouth, I was like, this is a right and good thing. But then later, somebody asked me, they said, how did you know Robbie was the one for you? And I thought, well, I don't know how I knew. So I asked my parents. I was like, that's an interesting question, isn't it? How? And they said, well, I'll tell you how you knew. It's because... Your dad, this is my mom. She said, your dad and I always prayed that Job 110 prayer again, that God would put a hedge of protection around you, that, you know, anyone who wasn't his choosing wouldn't be able to get through. And also Colossians 3.15, that the peace of Christ would rule in your heart. And so those two prayers that they prayed over my growing up years, when I said yes and had that peace and rule, that, that ruled in my heart, I knew it was the right yes. And that was an answer to their prayer. So yeah, we started praying for our kids' eventual mates, um, really, from the time, you know, our, our children were conceived, we knew they'd be growing up and one day falling in love with somebody and doing the whole leave and cleave thing. And it has been such a delight. We have two married children and two who are now engaged um, with weddings coming up soon. And when each of those people hit our radars and we knew they were the one, boy, what a treat it was to be able to look at them and say, it's you. You're yeah. the one I have poured these prayers into over these yeah. years. Yeah. And that, that's the right outcome. That's what you want. Now, I've got to ask the opposite question. Uh, maybe those parents that have been praying or haven't been praying for years uh, about their future child's mm-hmm. spouse, mm-hmm. and then now they're in conflict because they don't really think that person is the right person for my baby. Yeah, boy. And uh, that's more common than you'd think, even within the Christian community, you know, and and even when your child's chosen mate is a believer, it might not be the one that you think is the best match. Boy, that is tough. It's very tough. But I'll tell you what, day one, when when that union happens, you are on that team and you're supporting that team. I mean, all the studies show then when parents support, the marriages thrive, and when the parents don't support, it's a lot harder. So... um, I think if you've got a, a child that is married to somebody that you weren't sure was the right choice, 
you just say, God, they are married, and how do I get on board with this? Mm. Because we know, right, God's the redeemer. He's the restorer. Yeah. And I love what Tim Keller says um, in The Meaning of Marriage. He says, we all think we're looking for a soulmate, the exact right person. and that right? He said, you always marry the wrong person. Because even if you marry the right person, the minute you get married, that person changes. <laughs> right. And I look at that like like college Jody that Robbie fell in love with. Love with was way more fun than like new wife and mom Jody, right? <laughs> right. You know, and and I just think each uh, college Jody was different than newlywed Jody was different than mom Jody, which is different than empty nest Jody. And each time, I think I change. And it's so great of God that He allows us to grow and change together and learn new things about putting one another first. Well, and and what I'm hearing you say, if you as a parent are in that spot, keep praying. Maybe double up those prayers. Double up those prayers. I would say two things. If you're praying and and your child's not married yet and you're disappointed and you're wondering when is that person going to come along because my child's 25, 35, 40, you know, whatever. Two things I would say, um, keep praying, but also speak life into the things that you see God doing in your child so that their identity doesn't become tied up in with, oh, I'm married or I'm single. Because mm. we know scripture's full of married people and single people that yeah. are honoring God and being trophy cases for his glory. You know, I love that Isaiah. Um, I think it might be Isaiah 61 where we're going to be a planting of the Lord, a display of his splendor. Our lives can be that. That's the whole point of our lives, right? Mm. To bring glory to him. Single or married, we can do that. So I would say for that parent, go ahead and pray for your child's spouse, but don't bring it up to them. Um, Affirm in them what you see God's doing in their lives. God's made you so compassionate. God's made you so smart. God's made you so funny. Well, and I'd say, you know, maintain that relationship. Yes. That's key. Don't push them away because of your over-the-top control issue. Absolutely. Uh, Maintain that relationship. That's number one. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Just like a warm fireplace when it's cold outside, the joy of the Christmas season gives comfort. I'm John Fuller, and Focus on the Family is excited to let you know about our Christmas Stories podcast. Each episode brings heartwarming conversations to bring your family closer together and remind you of the hope we have in Jesus. You can enjoy that podcast at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. Hear past shows and the brand new season five at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. Friends of Focus on the Family, give families hope this Christmas with a gift of appreciated stock. By donating appreciated stock, you create tax savings while turning resources into help for hurting families. And you'll also receive a tax deduction on the fair market value of your gift. Let our team help you make the most of your giving. To learn more, visit GiveFamiliesHope.com. That's GiveFamiliesHope.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Jody, over the years, you've identified three prayer truths about uh, praying for your kids. What are they? Yeah. Quickly, tell me, well, what are they? <laughs> I'm sure there are 18 prayer truths, but as a parent, you know, I meet parents of young kids all the time, and they just think, oh boy, when I get to the empty nest years, you know, it must be great. And yeah, I think, smiling. oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you it know, doesn't end there, It folks. doesn't end. So, you know, truth number one is you never stop being a parent, yeah. right? You never stop praying. You never stop wanting God's best for your kids. And at whatever season they're in, you might think, this is it. This is the biggie. 
but it might not be. You know, there might be another biggie right around the corner. Um, and another truth, I think, is that um, prayer is work. It's a delight and it is a relationship, but as you said earlier, it is also a discipline and we want to make time for that. We want to make it be part of our everyday experience. But you said something in the intro too or about maybe not having time. Right. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of times young parents especially can beat themselves up because you think, oh, unless I you know, have my coffee and my, my prayer journal and my Bible like I see on Instagram, you know, it's not going to count. Um, but but my kid's got an ear infection and the dog just threw up and I don't have time, you know. The, and I, I was there. I was there. I thought, okay, it's not. It doesn't count unless I really carve out this time. And and yet I would say to those parents, just do it. Do yeah. it when you're in the carpool line. Do it yeah. when you're walking behind the stroller. Do it when you're folding laundry. I love. There's so many prayers in scripture about how we are clothed. You know, clothe me with compassion and kindness. Okay, I'm folding these umpteenth pair of socks. Clothe Hillary with compassion and kindness. Clothe Robbie with wisdom and self-control. Um, we have those prayer prompts all the time. You're cutting up fruit for their snacks, you know. Fill my kids with the fruit of the Spirit, with that Galatians 5.22, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those prompts are everywhere if we just kind of be alert. and That's listen. really good. Oh, it, you know. think But it is just a, a great discipline of yeah. praying. And you yeah. don't, you, right, you don't have to have this, uh, necessarily, this area you sit at with your, right. you know, the Word of God. Right. That, that's good if you've got that kind it of It absolutely is. And I, I would never want a listener to hear me say, don't spend concentrated <laughs> right. time with him. Right. I mean, we were talking at the break and your wife's going off to do that with some friends this weekend. I think we do want to carve out these times. But one time I was speaking in uh, Connecticut and my daughter, Virginia, who's an adult now lives in New York City, happened to be with me. And this has never happened before, but someone in the audience said, you know, I got a question for your daughter during the Q&A time. Uh-oh. And I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, that's out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. Next oh, question. Wait a minute. And they said, how did you feel growing up, you know, with a praying mom? What, what was it like? And so she grabs the microphone and she says, you know, I didn't like it very much. And I thought, uh-oh, well, you know, where's this going? And she said, for one thing, she was always praying that if we were doing anything wrong, we get caught, you know, pray for sin to be exposed, right? Uh, Numbers talks about that. Be sure your sin will find you out. Good for you, Mom. And, well, I think every mom probably, although I do have one friend who said, why do you pray that? Why don't you just pray that they won't ever do anything wrong? And I laughed. I said, I don't have the faith to pray that. I know, you know, they're wired just like I am. They're going to do wrong. So let's pray that their sin would be exposed. But then my daughter said, and she also just prayed about kind of everything. Like we'd go to the mall and we'd know we need a new pair of jeans and mom would pray before we went in. And it's, I don't like shopping. So of course I was praying for God to get us in and out quick. But, but what my daughter said to that audience that day, she said, it felt like a lot when I was growing up, but seeing it be part and parcel of our everyday lives. She said, for me and for my siblings, it really took sort of the mystery out of praying. It made us see it as doable, as something you could talk to God at any moment of your day. And she said, so even though I didn't love it growing up, I will say, looking back now, I'm really grateful to have seen that modeled, just sort of whatever your needs are. Tell God your needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's so good. Uh, Jody, I want to zero in on some practical help for uh, parents right at, you know, the next half of the uh, program here. You've provided uh, four really uh, practical tools. One, give your children the why. Two, build a prayer bank. Three, introduce your children to real-life Bible people. And four, 
make prayer fun. You're kind of touching on that with that last comment. But speak to those four truths about teaching your kids how to embrace prayer. Yeah, and that's some of the new material in the book. And that addressed the question of when parents were saying, how do I teach my kids? How do I take, as we were saying, that mystery out of it? And I think we touched a little bit on the fun part um, in, in the other episode, as we talked about like the happy hope game around the dinner table. We would also do things like before the first day of school, we'd have a back to school ice cream Sunday party and just invite other uh, parents and kids from the neighborhood and say, we're going to pray for the school year. And we'd say, okay, you know, the Smiths, you're going to pray for the school bus safety. You know, the Joneses, you're going to pray for athletics. Uh, You know, the Robertsons, you pray for kids' relationships with their teachers, whatever it is. And then the families would come together. And I mean, the prayer time didn't take more than 10 minutes, you know, as each person prayed for their assigned little topic. The ice cream Sunday time took the bulk of the year. <laughs> right. But it was great because it made it fun for the kids because kids will do what other kids are doing. Right. You know, if you say to your own kids, we're going to pray about the school year, you might get a good answer, yeah, right. you might not. But if you say, hey, guess what? The Kaplans are coming over and we're all going to make Sundays and pray. That makes it a lot more doable. So make it fun. Introduce your kids to Bible people. That's another one that... Like, I remember Hillary, and I tell the story in the book, um, her 10th birthday, she, it was her first slumber party, and she had all these girls sleeping over, and I, you know, we'd run out of things we were doing, and I thought, what should be next? And I thought, okay, let's tell a, a story. And, and the biblical story of Esther popped in my mind, and I thought for a bunch of preteen girls, Esther being, you know, plucked out of obscurity sure. and having all the makeup treatments she had, the ointments and the lotions. You know, an archaeologist have actually found these old makeup tubs, so we know it's not just a Bible fairy tale yeah, or anything. It, it really happened. It's a little frightening. Tub. Okay, maybe it's a little container. But anyway, <laughs> Esther didn't need much of it, I'm sure. But, um, but so I told them the story of it, and it was clear as I was telling it that a lot of these young girls didn't know. They didn't know about the plot thickens and Haman and Mordecai and Esther being an orphan, and they didn't know about the Jews getting ready to be annihilated, and then how at the very end it changes. And they were captivated. And when it got to the end, I thought, the power in this story for them is not just God's faithfulness, but it's also knowing that Esther is this young girl, not a lot older than they are. Mm -hmm. And God used her to save his people. All these people are just such regular, ordinary folks, and I love the idea that we can give them, Mm. our kids, that that legacy and that vision. And let's see, you mentioned two others. The prayer bank. I really like this idea. Well, you know, I used to... I started out writing um, financial planning books for a guy named Ron Blue. He was it's a good like, thing you moved to this. Well, I, Robbie would agree. Robbie was like, <laughs> this is a much better topic. How to finances, pray. honey. <laughs> I know. So, um, but you know, one of the things I learned from from Ron Blue and that we did with our own kids was teach them the value of saving and spending. We had these little jars where it was save, spend, give, and I thought, you know, prayer is the same way. And as we learn scripture. That's saving it. We're putting that in our memory bank. And I would actually encourage parents to to get little prayer banks, whether it's a little treasure chest you decorate. If you're crafty, maybe you learn a Bible verse and you write it in there. Or maybe it's just a mason jar where you slip the verse in. That We talked about the other one, Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily. Easy to learn. You learn that one, stick it in there, and you look for a time to encourage. And once we've built that capital in that memory bank, in that prayer bank, we have it to spend. So just like a financial need that comes up, we've got an emotional or a physical or a mental need, some a friendship need, a relationship need, we can pray, Lord, help me encourage that person daily because we've got that verse tucked in there. So it's just, it works like a, like a money great. bank. I yeah. like that. Jody, we're right at the end here. Uh, I guess I, I'm going to ask for Jean and myself. You're slightly ahead of us. You have two married mm-hmm. and two yet to be married, but engaged. 
uh, I think all in their 20s. Uh, I've got, I think, one or two that are 30 or 31 now. Yes, <laughs> closing in on that, yeah. But you're just ahead of us in yeah. the curve. And I, I think the question is this. As our children mature and they move into that next phase, mm-hmm. uh, they're out of the house, hopefully, uh, and they're you know moving into a relationship with a spouse, et cetera, how do we uh, let go of them and shift that parenting dynamic to, you know, uh, kind of top down, if I could say it that way, to peer to peer? I think that's hard um, because we we love control, don't we? We (laughs) I mean, I I used to want to pick my kids' play dates, let alone their spouse or whatever. Um, And yet, yeah, we do need to kind of step back. Our prayers change instead of praying just for our daughter, Sally. Suddenly, Sally's married to Jimmy and you're praying for for both of them. It's part of the, the leaving and cleaving. Um, and just blessing them. Mm. I really feel like there's a lot of power in blessing and in speaking words of life over your kids. You don't have to agree with every choice your adult child is making to speak God's favor over their lives and to bless them. And I think I meet so many parents of adult kids who uh, see where they think their kid is walking wrong, whether it's just a matter of taste or whether it's a moral you know, sin decision. Right. And they think, well, how can I bless them? How can I love them? Don't they know they're wrong? I need to pray the Holy Spirit will convict them. I need to make sure they know that what they're doing is wrong. And you think, they know what you think. You've right, They know that you think that's wrong. Your job now that they're grown up is to love them, to pray for them, to speak God's favor over their lives, and allow the Lord to do what we talked about earlier, to work in them, to will and to act according yeah. to his good purpose. When I love your expression there of modeling. Mm the way you walk with the Lord and yeah. your adult children seeing that. See, but they see the fits and starts. They yeah. see me fall. They see me ask for forgiveness. They see me. That's be, all good though. Yeah. It, it's all good for them to see it. But sometimes it's hard because as parents, we don't want our kids to see the holes in our armor, but I think it's good to, to show them that. <laughs> I think it's yeah. really good because then they know that they're not perfect either and they need grace from God. Yeah. I have and one friend, my friend Lisa Robertson says, you know, if I were perfect, my children would be tempted to worship me. So it's a good thing I'm <laughs> I like that. Isn't and that then let's one? have some chocolate. Yes, yes, amen. <laughs> Jody, this has been so good. Thank you for the effort. I mean, a lot of people, you know, we, we will, as authors, we write a book. But thank you for the revision. Thank you for coming back to this great resource, praying the scriptures for your children. Sometimes uh, the consumers of that content don't realize how much you pour into it to actually make it happen. So thank you for that. We've been listening to one of the best of 2021 conversations here on Focus on the Family, and I trust that Jody Burnt has helped you um, move forward in your prayer journey. Now, if you need help from our counseling department, we're here. Uh, give us a call. Schedule a consultation. Uh, those caring Christian counselors can pray with you. They can give you additional guidance in your parenting journey and offer a lot of help. And if you're a parent, let me speak directly to you. I want to encourage you to get Jody's great book from us here at Focus on the Family. With a donation of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. There are millions of parents who need biblical advice and many families who are struggling. You can offer them practical solutions through your support of Focus. And right now, because of some generous friends of Focus on the Family, when you give, your donation will be doubled to equip parents to raise children boldly in their Christian faith and help redeem broken families. So let me encourage you, be a partner with us. Give today. Donate as you can and get this great book, which has uh, prayers with scriptures for pretty much every situation, including really challenging times. 
Uh, it's a wonderful resource. So again, donate, get the book. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And for now, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, we're grateful you joined us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. <music>